Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, hit it shot. Oh, baby, what a play. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I preview the NFL Combine, discuss the Chiefs' new ideas for Arrowhead Stadium, and give a tip of the hat to Peter King. Uh, Joe, the Combine is going to be underway shortly, and there's three position groups that are really strong this year, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and offensive tackles. The Chiefs certainly aren't in the market for a quarterback, Joe, but if you have a draft that's really good and really deep in wide receivers, offensive tackles, that seems to bode pretty well for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, it lines up really well with what the Chiefs' needs are, um, finally, right, where, where the Chiefs' needs match up to the depth of, of what this uh, draft class might look like, which is, which is fantastic. And, you know, the Combine's such a such a unique thing uh, in sports, right? I mean, you've got workouts and tryouts for other sports and camps and things like that. But man, the combine is such a, a spectacle of getting all these people in one place at one time. Um, and the fact mm-hmm. that they've elevated it to the level of where, you know, they're broadcasting every pretty minute, every much, uh, pretty much every minute of it is pretty amazing. And, and, you know, the schedule, you know, the schedule looks good this year. Of course, they're saving the best for last. Offensive linemen come in on Sunday. Um, so, you know, they they know they know the deal, right? Save the best for Matt last. I think Derek might have made your head a little bit bigger, Joe, when he was when he was complimenting the linemen on last week's pod. Yeah, exactly. You know, start with the D-line, linebackers. They come in on, on Thursday uh, of the week. And, uh, you know, then you come in defensive backs and tight ends. I thought that was an interesting uh, pair up there, I guess, to maybe – give players, you know, you'd think you'd have linemen with one of those um, big, I'll call them big field groups, right? Where the group needs the whole field. Um, like defense, like you think they'd put defensive backs with offensive linemen because offensive linemen take up such a small part of the field with their drills, right? You don't, you know, no offensive linemen. Well, some offensive linemen might be running routes, but not all offensive linemen are, you know, out there <laughs> running around on the field. But um so like, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting that the linemen are there just like by themselves. Um, and you've got, you know, defensive backs and tight ends, you know, kind of like sharing the field, which is, which is interesting. Um, but I guess tight ends probably aren't going to take up that much of the field with types of routes they're running. Um, you know, Saturday, obviously the big day, um, quarterbacks, receivers and running backs, right? It's always a favorite, you know, watching, watching some of those guys run their forties because, you know, they're so dependent on their on their speed and, and seeing all that stuff. So pretty cool that it's become such a, such a spectacle, such a, you know, a television uh, kind of phenomenon, which is, which is really interesting. I mean, you know, back when I was playing in the nineties and I'm sure through the early two thousands before even social media became, you know, came on the scene, it was, you know, the combine was a little, it was shrouded in a little bit of mystery. Um, now it's, it's kind of there for everybody to see, which is cool, right? If you're a football fan and you want to watch, you know, the future of, of the league and see it. I mean, that's, that's pretty neat that you get to watch it all. So really cool. I, th- I think people should be really excited. And again, it, it, it 
keeps us in business here, Jeff, right? With Believe in Chiefs gives us, you know, the NFL doesn't doesn't lack for content for us to talk about week in and week out throughout the offseason. So, yeah, really exciting, exciting times for it's, a, it's an exciting time for, uh, you know, a young player, you know, thinking about getting that invite to go there and parade in front of all those scouts and coaches and and uh, pr- pretty neat stuff. And uh, I'm excited about catching catching a lot of the action this week. It totally right, Joe. It's exciting for the players, exciting for the fans. I, I really get into it because I, I love anything that leads in the NFL draft. That's so much fun. Uh, you know, I uh, listened to or participated in uh, Daniel Jeremiah had a really long Zoom press conference. He's the NFL.com or NFL media draft expert. Really good. And um, Joe, I want to give you this description of a player. And I'm curious if you're Reminds you of anyone you played against. This this happens to be um, who's regarded as the top lineman um, in the draft. Jeremiah said, I think he is the cleanest of the bunch. He's huge. He's long. He just keeps getting better. He doesn't get beat. He's not the most dynamic athlete. He is not an elite, elite bender, but he doesn't get beat, and he just plays with outstanding awareness, and he can move people in the run game. Sounds a little bit like John All to me, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that from that description, especially when what really puts it over the edge is the long, because John <laughs> was long. I mean, you know, Coach Mud, Howard Mud used to call, you know, call call John like, you know, long tall Sally, because he just, you know, he just John just went on for days, man. His arms and legs, he just like and he just engulfed people. And uh as big as he was, and 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 I'm this is this is what you're going to say about a guy who's six foot eight, like 320 pounds. How thin he was. John mm-hmm. was actually kind of thin. Mm-hmm. Um, like he wasn't. He was thick in the chest. His arms and legs were were relatively thin. I mean, he could lift a ton. He had great, you know, um, you know, kind of weight room skills. But he was like relatively thin, and and he just like could move people. So he was an anomaly, man. He was like one of a kind, and. Uh, Sounds a little sounds a little like his son Joe that that they're describing there, and sounds a lot like his dad. Totally, yeah. It's interesting to see hear how similar we're talking about Joe Alt, who's the the son of John Alt, who of course uh, Joe our Joe played with. Uh, Joe Alt is the Notre Dame offensive tackle, is widely regarded as the best tackle in the league. Joe, when you said how long he was, it reminded me of that story when Tim Grunhard was on here. Talking about when he had the farm that Alt would be riding the horse and his feet would be like dragging, yeah, dragging against the yeah. ground. <laughs> yeah, like you know, he, he was the first to have have the joke put on him that like, hey, isn't the bigger animal supposed to be on the bottom? Right. Yeah. So he, you know, he. But if they, if, if what would have totally given it away, right? You you hit on all the high points of 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 describing John Alt and and now his son Joe and the comparisons and the comparables between the two. But like, if you just would have said, uh, yeah. And his college roommate roomed with him for two years and he never said three words to him. Then I really would have known that it was John, <laughs> that it was Joe Walt. Cause you know, John and I roomed together for a couple of years on the road for games. And, you know, we, he barely spoke. Like we, we just would get to our room and John was, you know, studying a little bit, getting in his playbook, put on the TV for a little bit. And then, you know, he was out like John didn't talk a whole lot. Like we weren't having deep conversations about life. 
Um, <laughs> although he was a, although he was a great mentor. I mean, I don't, don't, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but like, he was just a quiet soul, man. Like he, he was somebody who just appreciated, you know, uh, actions over words. And, uh, you know, I think I've told this story before on the pod, but you know, one of my favorite stories about John is, you know, I remember in 1992, we came to the Meadowlands to play the Giants and um, I was starting at right tackle in that game. And obviously, obviously John was starting at left tackle and, you know, we get to the, we get to the uh, hotel, we check in, we, you know, we have the night goes by, we go to dinner, you know, we say, you know, good night. And that's it. Like those are the two words we said to each other all night and then wake up in the morning, go to morning meetings. I come back from morning meetings and John who Jeff at that point in my, in, that was my second year in the league. Like, I don't think I ever saw him smile. Right. Like, no, it wasn't, he wasn't a happy person. Like John was a super happy guy. Like he was very appreciative of life and all that good stuff. He just didn't smile a lot. And, and he was sitting there on the edge of his bed, like with this huge grin on his face. And I was like, Alti, that was his nickname. I was like, Alti, what, what are you all smiles about this morning? Like game day against the giants. He goes, ah, oh, I just found out that uh, Lawrence Taylor isn't playing. <laughs> so he was like, <laughs> just he was, that's great. That's great. He was so happy about the fact that Lawrence wasn't playing and, and, and uh, you know, he, he didn't have to go, you know, against him all game. So, you know, that's just the kind of relationship we had. He was an unbelievable friend and a great mentor, like I said, and somebody I really looked up to in more ways than one. Cause uh, yeah. you know, Literally another time we yeah. Another, you know, it's just, I guess since we're on the Joe Walt kind of train here and talking about his dad, like I remember one time, I think we were playing in, in Seattle against the Seahawks and we were in the hotel lobby and I was walking behind John and we all had our bags and we were heading to the bus and, you know, everybody's, you know, Mr. Alt, can you sign my helmet? Mr. Alt, can you sign this card? And somebody says to me, hey there, are you John's little brother? <laughs> I was, like, I was like, no, I'm actually a chief. I'm a player, you know, I'm, I'm his roommate. Like, you know, they're like, oh, I thought you, I thought you were his brother just tagging along, carrying his bag. So That's yeah, hilarious. but he was, he was awesome. But uh, yeah. So uh, excited about Joe wall, excited to see, always exciting to see players, families, you know, coming into the business. So really cool for the alt family. I and mean, of course, you know, John's got, you know, wonderful children and a great family. And also in that family was Mark Alt, who was an all-state quarterback and and ended up playing, you know, professional hockey for many years and was actually in the Flyers organization. I got to see him play here in Philadelphia uh, when he got called up to to the Flyers, to the big league. So, yeah, so really talented, uh, talented family and uh, just uh, just an amazing, amazing family and just the kind of people you you'd love to be friends with. Uh, Joe, uh, great stuff there on on John Alt. Um, you know, so Daniel Jeremiah, who I was talking about that press conference. So in his mock draft, so this is kind of a two part question. Um, in his mock draft, he has, you know, Joe Alt, who's the consensus number one tackle in the draft. He has mm-hmm. him going number five to the last to the Los Angeles Chargers. So the two part question, I I'm not sure the Chargers take a tackle. But if if that would happen, one, I mean, do you do you kind of have to root for the Chargers or just when the Chargers play the Chiefs, what would happen? And two, is it just kind of surreal? Your roommate has this guy who's gonna be a starting tack, your your former NFL roommate. Is that just surreal to see his son, you know, we'll see him next year starting for an NFL team? Yeah, it is it is pretty amazing. Number one, it starts to make you feel old. Uh, you know, that, that now, 
you know, you're watching, you know, children of, uh, of, of teammates, you know, making their way, you know, professionally in football. That's always crazy, right? It's kind of like a, a rite of passage for the people that, you know, you're friends with in life when they're, when their children and kids start getting married and then they start having kids, you know, like, Oh man, I'm, I am getting old. Like I'm that old guy now, you know, and we wore leather helmets and no face masks and like, geez. Um, but yeah, but to see, you know, to see that is just, it's just fantastic. Plus it's also really exciting to see, you know, now that, you know, some of the players or families can, can really benefit from, from some of the money that's, that's mm-hmm. out there for a player. Right. I think about, you know, where John Alt may have tapped out is, you know, a top 10 tackle in the league for many, many years, right? On, you look at him on any list. Obviously, he's a Chiefs Hall of Famer, but, you know, somebody who was always operating in, in that top 10 tackle realm uh, within the league and, and absolutely in the top third, uh, maybe, you know, I, there were years probably where you put John Alden in the top five. You know, it's just a shame some of the teams that he played on weren't as weren't as good as, you know, uh, you know, the chiefs today, which brings a little bit more light to, to a player's, uh, ability for some, for some reason, right. Players who play on better teams seem to go to pro bowls more often than not. Um, but, but to see, you know, where a player like Joe Walt might top out now with his salary and some of the compensation that he'll get to, to comparing it to where John who played, you know, 25 years earlier, uh, to what those comparisons comparisons might be, and you're like, man, that's that's really cool that now, you know, somebody who kept that legacy going can can benefit from, you know, the types of money that's uh, money that's being thrown around now today in the NFL. So that's that's just it is it is just really cool. I mean, you know, I know watching, you know, Tim, just my great friend Tim Grunhard, watching his his kids compete in college and sports and you know, and his son who, you know, played at Notre Dame and KU and, you know, just, just, it's just, it's just, it's actually surreal to, to think about that. And, you know, as if it is the chargers, what's going to make it really, uh, you know, I guess I'll use the word, right. But it's, it will make it ironic is, you know, John had this love hate relationship with Leslie O'Neill. We know that he, Leslie did come and play a little bit of time in, in Kansas city to finish his career, but like he was probably at the time, the player that John thought about the most. Uh, other than my funny story about about Lawrence Taylor as mm-hmm. as a one off, but you know having to play against Leslie O'Neill twice a year for all those years that John toiled, you know, in the AFC West with Leslie at the char- with the Chargers. Like I remember once he 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 canceled a uh, you know an, a a a, tri- uh, a bye or like not a bye week but a uh, an off night trip with his wife during their anniversary because he had to go home because it was Leslie O'Neill week. And couldn't even celebrate his anniversary. Well, that's how in close. that's how into that relationship, you know, against Leslie O'Neill, John was. So yeah, the Chargers would be that would even make add a little bit more irony if John ends or uh, Joe ends up up there as a Charger and in, in the AFC West, right? That would be be interesting, and it wouldn't be the Chiefs. But you know, what are the odds, right? What are you know what are the odds that that they that that would ever happen with a player like that? And as low as the Chiefs get to pick in the draft, so. Um, yeah, it's uh, it is a shame they couldn't keep that part of it going. But you know what? You never know. Maybe with free agency down the road and all that good stuff, maybe trading and maybe maybe Joe Walt can end up a chief and put his name under his dad's name on the uh, on the ring of fame in, in Arrowhead. That'd be cool. We uh, certainly don't know what the future holds, but if you do, Bet Online is the place for you. If you want to wager on any kind of predictions, where all's going to be drafted. Who's going to do well next year? 
Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's the promo code BLEAV. Bet Online, the game starts here. Uh, Joe, um, such an exciting week. Combine going on. You know, there's talk about um, Legereus Steed getting franchised, uh, MVS not being back with the team next year. But I actually wanted, you know, I had a participate in the uh, press conference uh, that was on Wednesday uh, where the Chiefs unveiled the their new stadium plan. Um, some interesting nuggets for that. It would cost $800 million. Um, $300 million would be uh, – the, the Hunts would take care of the $300 million, so the, the city would take care of $500 million. So there's a vote, a Jackson County vote on April 2nd uh, for a bump in the sales tax. That would be huge. That's going to be – for this project and it's interesting they first have to like retrofit it for fifa specifications for the world cup and then so construction would begin 2027 um and then you know 2030 or 2031 be ready to play no dome uh which i like i like having football yeah. the element it said clark hunt was adamant about that uh seating will continue to be over seventy thousand. um some interesting elements like Allegiant Stadium, this is neat to see during some, uh, you know, Super Bowl week. They have this win as in the win casino um, club that is like near the end zone, real primo seating. You can get open bar food and you're right near the action. Chiefs would want to have something similar to that. Um, but, you know, I had kind of thought they might plan like an entertainment district. The, 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 this is all about the, the Royals moving downtown. So there's now their neighbor is going to open a vacant spot. But they're really going to make it more parking. They're going to make it like a, a canopy area where we could have like you know concerts and stuff. But it's not like the the new wave of the NFL, like the Patriots and the Cowboys have, where you have this entertainment district. So that is not planned to be there. So Joe, I, I'm curious, just your your take on that. If you have any questions from from what I after the 45 minutes, uh, I listened to Mark Donovan and Clark Hunt talk talk about. Yeah. Well, I've got so many directions to go with this and, and so much to unpack on this whole concept, Jeff. I, I just put a uh, just to, just to get the conversation started. Um, I was so fortunate enough this week to have dinner with Chuck Castellano, who is the director of uh, Chiefs Outreach, Community Outreach. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was in town for some meetings in Philadelphia. So we were able to uh, to grab dinner and just kind of talk through some things. And, um, you know, and in, in the segue to that is, is 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 that you know Chuck was telling me that one of the things that people really love about the Chiefs organization and 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 focusing on Clark Hunt for right now is his incredible desire to keep his father's legacy alive, and 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 there's a passion that Clark Hunt and the rest of the family have about that, and it's. It's embodied in the fact that Arrowhead Stadium is still Arrowhead Stadium and still stands where it is. Like, you know, that was like, it seemed to be like Lamar's crown jewel, right? Like of having a place that, you know, 
so easily with the amount of money that the Chiefs have had come through that organization over the years. So easy it could have been to knock that thing down and build one of these mega stadiums, right? We'll call them a mega. Not that the Chiefs isn't a, a beautiful entertainment facility, but like just, you know, one of these Dallas Cowboy type, you know, stadiums. Stadium, or one of those. SoFi, yeah. like just, you know what? They kept true. And and here's, and, and, and this is another, and that's a segue into another point I want to make on what you were saying, which are all awesome points, Jeff, is I actually, for football, I love that football is football. And when you go to a football game, you're going to the tailgate, which, dude, look, come on. I've been to a lot of stadiums. Nobody tailgates like the fans in Kansas City. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody tailgates like the fans in Kansas City. And the fact that that is the focus of the game, it's about getting there early, getting the grill out, bringing the food, throwing the football, playing cornhole, listening to music, doing all those things at Arrowhead, on a, on a Sunday or a Monday night, whenever the game might be, to me, that's the vision that Lamar had. I think that's what makes it special. And I think I'm glad they're doing that. Let me make a comparison to at least something that I know very well where I live here in Philadelphia. I went to Philadelphia Flyers game last night. You know, there's, you know, there's three facilities, right, within walking distance. You've got the baseball field. You've got the indoor facility where the Sixers and the Flyers play. And in Philadelphia, we're very lucky to have four major pro teams plus you know plus some you know other teams like the philadelphia union for soccer and some other great professional sports but like you know just sticking to the four major sports that we all you know know and grew up with you know you've got you've got the four teams playing there in one one area jeff there's there's what that you you know and well obviously for our kansas city listeners there's the live right the live facility which is mm -hmm. restaurants and bars and entertainment and the stage power and light power and light, this the power and light. there's uh, one of there's one mm -hmm. of those right in Philadelphia, like right there by the stadium, right in triangulated. The stadiums mm -hmm. are right on that what live facility. And here it's called Xfinity, you know, Comcast, the big cable company, they sponsor it and it's called Xfinity Live. So you've got a live facility. You've got now the live casino and hotel within all of this is within walking distance plus neighborhoods, right? Because all the stadium complex is right in the middle of South Philadelphia of Rocky fame where you can walk and you know, be in South Philadelphia within a, either a quick subway ride or, or, or even a long walk. So it's not like being in center city, but it's, it's definitely in the city. So to me, it kind of detracts a little bit from the football experience, mm -hmm. right? It's good for basketball. You got 41 home games, hockey, right? You've got 41 home games, baseball, you've got, you know, uh, 80, 81 home games right so yeah you need kind of like something like that for and, those and other sports the royals are similarly <laughs> trying to play and you mentioned yeah. casey live royals will be kind of close to that they're gonna yeah. be downtown they hope to have an entertainment district and that's what mark donovan said part of the reason they don't want to do that is they don't want to compete with the royals but joe they have to I, I yeah, and and that's and that's that's just good business, right? Mm -hmm. Being and being good partners with your other major pro team, but it also I think gives the Chiefs to keep that simplistic football feel to it, which is which is fantastic. So I like that. I am not opposed to a, a, if you have a straight football stadium with that kind of parking, make it about the tailgating, make it about the entertainment of the Chiefs for that day. Go see Mike Davidson's Hall of Honor 
you know, on the bottom floor of, of Arrowhead, you know, walk through that, like make it about the chiefs, make it about community tailgating the chiefs and all that other stuff with the entertainment, leave that to the other sports. No offense to it. I think it's great. It works great for the, the team, you know, the sports that have 80 plus, you know, games, um, a season, but not, not for, not for football. Not when you get such a limited amount of time. Make it about football. I like that, Joe. We're going to take a brief pause here. Uh, Joe, something else I like how you said make it about football too. Like I live in Chicago, and that's the 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 Bears are most likely going to uh, move to a suburb north of the city. Uh, right now, they're right in the city near the great museums they have. That's kind of a, a, a bummer. And what's also more of a, a bummer is, you know, the pairs of the monsters, the, the midway, when it's old school, traditional. I think they're going to make this new stadium um, in, in likely in Arlington uh, dome because they think that way they can uh, have Big Ten championship games and the Super Bowl. Like the Chiefs are keeping it outdoors, which I, which I, I love because the game is about the elements. You know, you think of that chiefs dolphins fourth this game in NFL history. I love that the chiefs are, are not doing that. They're not, they're not chasing the big uh, dollar events because that they could get potentially because of that dome. I really like that. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff, I'll give a perfect example of it. I'm going back now, you know, 30 plus years um, when, you know, Mr. Hunt decided to make the field grass and not turf, right? Because he made that financial decision because he wanted to win and he wanted Joe Montana to be his quarterback. And he knew that Joe was not going to play on turf one more year. And, 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 and that 94 season, when we went to grass, you know, that was, that just made all the difference, you know, and, and even economically for, for, for some reason, uh, you know, because you, you couldn't hold you couldn't hold monster truck events on grass or like there was just certain things that Lamar was giving up, you know, the ability to ho- to host certain types of events um, because he wanted it to be about football. Like it's just I don't know the pure passion there for 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 football is is I think what drives a lot of this. And that's that's what makes this most exciting um, about what the Hunt family wants to do and what the management team and the city want to do to keep it that way i mean so think about the amount of revenue that could come into a city you host a super bowl and we saw that you know the kansas city held the draft and it was a humongous success like it's mm-hmm. definitely a city that could hold that could host a super bowl um i think you'd have you you might have a little bit of a challenge with some hotels and things yeah, in I kansas city that, that the super bowl would be a little rough because the stadium would be kind of so far from um, where the major, you know, hotels and things are. I mean, it would be that would be maybe a little bit of a logistical issue. But uh, you know, Joe, I was thinking that too while writing this this story for Forbes uh, that I encourage uh, listeners to check out. And I, I think you're right. I don't think the hotel infrastructure is quite there, especially close to the stadium. But you know, they are hosting a World Cup, you know, yeah. game which is going to have a lot of. I don't think like. You know, Super Bowl early in the week has like 5,000, 6,000 people. I don't think World – I'm not knowledgeable enough about it. But, yeah, I was I, – I don't think World Cup will quite have that amount of people. But, yeah. Joe, that's that's a great point there that you yeah. make. Well, not to go off on a tangent, Jeff, but, yeah, but those World Cups too. I, I will be anxious to see how Kansas City handles. I have a friend who is working on the Philadelphia World, World Cup Committee 
um, for the game that's coming here. And they actually, the, the FIFA or whoever the big governing sponsor mm -hmm. is of, of all that, yeah. they actually do require that you have like facilities open almost 24 hours a day, like entertainment venues. Mm -hmm. And here I, I've heard if, if anybody's familiar, tie in the pen connection, that they actually might be using Franklin field um, for that uh, oh, cool. where, where they would have this like, basically a fair like a, a a carnival for 24 hours a day seven days a week leading up to all the world cup shenanigans that will go on in in philadelphia as a venue so <clears throat> i will be interested it will be interesting to see how kansas city does handle that i think i think what what kansas city has that philadelphia does and then maybe you might be able to speak to this on chicago but and, and i could speak about it a little bit about what i know of new york and some of their athletic facilities but like Arrowhead, man, you've got a vast amount of land there and you've also got, you know, Royal Stadium there where they could possibly host some of those things, um, which is pretty neat. So I, I think Kansas City will do just fine with the World Cup and keeping it a vibrant atmosphere since because they have that all that land surrounding the stadium is going to be it's going to be huge. Uh, great points there, Joe. I wanted to wrap up the pod with mentioning another man. Like you said, it never ends with the NFL. And, and this is. Uh, someone covering the NFL, Peter King announced that he's retiring or at least stopping his Monday column that I, I loved reading and it's worth mentioning. And I, I had a couple uh, Peter King stories uh, to share. Uh, one, when, when I was writing for the Packers, covering the team for Packers.com, one of my first events was Brett Favre's uh, softball classic. And, you know, he and Peter King were pretty close. And, you know, I, I was new to Green Bay, didn't know anybody. And so I, I saw Peter King, and he had a Royals, a fitted Royals hat on. I got real excited. This, this all fits in with some Royals talk on this pod. And I got all excited because, you know, I, I didn't know anybody. It turns out that the reason he had the Royals hat is he had a, such a large head that that was the only fitted hat that he could find to, that, that did fit his head. But anyhow, uh, I was actually sitting uh. in the dugout at the softball game next to Brad Favre and his wife. And he, he mentioned, he's like, man, did you see Peter King? Look, and he, he certainly wasn't talking to me, uh, but yeah. like, just saying it in the universe, like, look how much weight he lost. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and he was wearing a Royals hat. And he goes, who cares about the Royals? <laughs> which is very understandable <laughs> from a national perspective. Uh, I, I told him I did, but that was fell off yeah. deaf ears. Um, and, you know, Peter, Peter, what a great writer. I actually had the opportunity, one of my favorite projects I edited – uh, Dr. Z's memoir, um, and Dr. Z had, had had several very debilitating strokes, so he could not communicate. So Peter was kind of the one who fought for this book, the one I communicated with and helped this book come to light, and it's because of his admiration and friendship with uh, Dr. Z, the former uh, great SI writer. So I was able to talk to Peter a little bit with him. Uh, loved his stuff, great guy. Joe, I didn't know if you had your two cents or if you had had any interviews, maybe after any of those uh, touchdowns you scored um, with Peter King. No, unfortunately, never got a chance to to spend uh, that kind of time with him, but but did love his stuff, Jeff. I loved reading Peter King. I think he gave such insightful, such an insightful look into into football and into anything basically he he wrote about. I mean, he just. Um, He's just one of those great writers. I'm sure he was an inspiration to you, an inspiration to so many. And 
you know, look at you and here you are. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's sort of the, the, the legacy of, of someone like that, that they just, they bring that passion to people. And, and, and I think the thing I loved about him is he was always, um, I don't know, I, I, word I'm looking for objective, uh, um, with, with infused with passion. Like he, he wasn't going to bring anybody down. He brought that sort of positivity to his writing about the sport that always seemed to put it in a in a good light. Now, if he had to write about a meaty subject and 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 be tough, yeah, he had to he had to do that too. But he he just seemed to bring it with a, a, a level of justice and you know kind of um, a fairness. I think is a word I'm looking for. That 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 and that's what I really loved about his writing. And and I and I'm just there's a, a future generation that's going to miss out on, on getting to read him on the regular for sure. Well said, Joe. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Battle Line, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Go Chiefs! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.